Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It is Thursday. We are getting dangerously close to the weekend now. Just two days away to Arsenal are back in action, of course, against Fulham at the Emirates. So Saturday at 3pm, 3pm, sorry, kickoff. Don't get too many of those during a season. So let's all enjoy that one. Plenty to discuss today. We'll have a look at the big Fire sale, as some are describing it at the moment as Arsenal. They have eight days remaining to get some of these players out the door and try and raise a figure of around 100 million. That is the target that Arsenal are believed to have sort of set in their heads to try and bring some, that sort of money in between now and the end of the transfer window. Will they be able to do that? Will they even be able to get close to that? We'll have a look at that in today's episode. We'll also look ahead to the game against Fulham, look at some of the big decisions facing Mikel Arteta ahead of that game, who to start, who to possibly leave out, what sort of formation to go with. So we'll have a look at that. And of course, got plenty of questions from you guys as well at the end of the episode to get over. So let's get going, shall we, with the usual start of the plug for my book now. One week today. That's right, isn't it? It's Thursday. One week today, the book comes out. Unbelievable. Seven days. You can pre-order it now. Please do after this video or now, right now, during this video, go into the description, click the link. That's the pre-order link. You can get it ordered. It will come through your door on the 31st of August and hopefully you will be able to enjoy it. And of course, also on that very same day on the 31st at the Tollington in the evening or late afternoon and then into the evening, I'll be there for a big event, book signing. You can buy books there. I can sign them. Then we're going to have a big Q&A stroke conversation um, event with myself, James, aka Gunner Blog, Sam Dean from The Telegraph. We're all going to be part of a panel. Everyone's going to be involved, the audience, ask some questions, get involved. Let's have a really good evening 
of Arsenal chat. So please do, if you can, get down to the Tullington on the 31st and be part of what should be a really good night. All right, enough of me doing that plug. I'm sure you're all very, very bored of it by now. Let's get talking about Edu and what he has on his plate over the next eight days or so as we get close to the transfer deadline, which is on September the 1st. Um, we all know, you know, Arsenal have done some really good business so far this window, no doubt about it, in terms of bringing players in. They've been really unlucky with one of them in Urien Timber with the season-ending injury, or which we think will be a season-ending injury, give or take a couple of months. Um, but they strengthen the squad. You know, the addition of Declan Rice is just such a hugely exciting signing, sign Kai Havertz as well. So they've got players in, they've got players in early and settled them into the squad. But a big part of this summer, a big po focus of this summer was on what Arsenal were going to be do able to do in getting players out. That's always been the question mark over Edu. We've not really seen major sales since he's been at the club. There's been a couple, but not major sales. And there's been disappointing times when you look at players and think, why have Arsenal not got some decent money for him? Why haven't they been able to bring in some revenue for him? This was the summer we were all looking at for Edu really to, to sort of step up in that regard get some good um, good deals struck with interested clubs, bring some money in, and which is really, really important to Arsenal because they've spent so much over the last few years. They need to bring some money in and need to recoup some of that. And this was the summer we all expected it to happen because you look for the first time, it wasn't unwanted players. It wasn't, you know, well, pretty poor players on really high wages. There were some really sellable assets there for Arsenal. You know, following Balogun at the very top of it. I know lots of you want him to stay I don't think it's going to happen um, because Arsenal needs some money. He's not going to sign new contracts. He's only got two years left on his deal. So he's you know, a very sellable asset. He's someone they're trying to sell. And I think they will sell. We've still got eight days to go, but he's still at the club at the moment. Kieran Tierney, another player we all thought was going to go for decent money. It still hasn't happened. And as you get close to sort of with deadline, you start thinking, is it, is it going to happen? Are they going to have to do a loan for Kieran Tierney and not get some money in? Uh, Nuno Tavares, Albert Sambi Lekonga. Um, there's just there's a whole host of them that uh, are still at the club and there's eight days to go. It's hard to totally judge right now. So I'm going to reserve my judgment on it for right now. But, you know, I think at the end of this window, once the, once the window shuts, if some of these players are still at the club or they've end, ended up just being sort of farmed out on loan just to get them out of the club for the season, you know, I think, again, there's going to be serious sort of fingers pointed in the direction of Edu and the... And, I mean, mainly Edu, to be fair, in terms of his ability to strike good deals. Um, he knows it. I'm sure he knows it um, because everyone's been talking about it for a, for a year or so now. And everyone was looking at this summer as possibly the time when it was going to change and Arsenal going to bring money in. And it hasn't happened yet. And um, that is a little bit of a disappointment and a little bit of a worry. But like I said, it's still eight days to go. That can, that can all change. And Arsenal are working very hard to get these players out now. You know, that is the focus. It's been the focus for a while. And as I said in yesterday's video, I understand that we're in a really sort of crunch period when it comes to following Balogun's future. You know, there are clubs interested in mounting interest in him and Arsenal is expecting some big, big offers to arrive for following Balogun. So hopefully they can cash in, they can bring in some good money and it, it does really need to happen. I think it's so, so important that it happens this summer. And I think the main reason for that is because when you look at the work that Mikel's done, that Edu's done as well, in forming this close-knit sort of connection within the squad, within the changing room, you know, they work so, so hard on it. If they can't get players out and they end up having to not being able to register players, you know, Arsenal have been down that route before. It wasn't a pretty time. You know, with Ozil, Socrates, 
you know, they weren't registered. There was unhappy players who weren't playing, sort of clicks were forming, leaks were coming out of the uh, out the training ground from which you can understand unhappy players who are wondering why they're not getting any minutes and frustrated that they've not got any chance of getting any minutes because they're not even registered. And you don't want to go back to that sort of time because it, it, it does no good for anyone. Look at Chelsea last season. They're a mess because they had too many players and too many disappointed players who, who weren't getting minutes. So I think it is so crucial these next eight days that Arsenal managed to get some deals done and it would just be really ideal obviously if it wasn't loans and if they actually did sort of part with some of these because there's some attractive players there I think following Balogun you can understand why so many clubs are interested in him and I do think Balogun goes I'd be very very surprised if in eight days time Balogun hasn't been sold for good money it just depends to who Monaco Chelsea Fulham I mean Spurs are interested I can't see it happening going to Spurs even though they are trying to sign a striker for big money um but you know, clubs are interested in Balogun. I think a deal will be done, but it's, it's kind of the other ones. You know, what is going to happen with Kieran Tierney? Is it's just something needs to happen with Kieran Tierney? Albert Samuel Conga, Nuno Tavares, those sort of players. Rob Holding, Cedric Suarez. You know, Arsenal have got to try and get some deals done for these eight players. Now I know it's, it's like some people look at it and say, "Well, it's easier said than done." You know, you can easily sit here on a camera talking about it, but at London Colney in the office. It's maybe not as easy as that. You know, Eddie doesn't want, he doesn't want to hold on to these players. He wants to sell them. He's just, you know, if you're not getting the offers in for these players, then it's very, very hard to sell. And I understand that. And that's why I do get how in it's going to be a lot easier to sort of pass judgment on it in eight days' time once the window is shut. But, you know, all I do know is that Arsenal are working very, very hard on the futures of around sort of six or seven players to get them out the door and that hundred million pound sort of target that you can see sort of being banded around in in various papers and and websites and things like that when you sort of toss it up that is the number that Arsenal would like to get whether they can get near that remains to be seen but you know Arsenal spent a lot of money even you know even these sort of clubs like Arsenal they need to bring money in it is vitally vitally important that they bring money in just to balance the books just to make sure that all the FFP issues are fine and sorted I don't think Arsenal are in trouble FFP wise but um, you do need to bring money in just to counter the money that you're putting out and Arsenal put a lot of money out over the last couple of seasons, and that needs to uh, that needs to be sort of balanced a little bit. So it's going to be a really interesting next few days when it comes to selling players. And I know right now everyone would be like, oh, why can't we sign players? We need to bring more players in. And I still think there is a possibility of Arsenal bringing players in, but the focus has to be right now on getting some of these players out first to bring some money. And if they can do that, if they can free up some space, if they can bring in some cash, then I think they'll look in the last couple of days at a window at what's around. If there's anything that really sort of floats their boat, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they do it. But let me know, as usual, what you think in the comments below. Right, turning attentions to Fulham now on Saturday. Really big game this for Arsenal. We've had a good start to the league season. Two wins out of two. One of only three teams to do that in the Premier League. And it would be absolutely perfect if you could round off August, go into September with nine points from nine against a Fulham side who were pretty unlucky last week. They got a bit of a hammering at home, didn't they, to Brentford, was it? But they had a really, you know, someone was sent off and it was really unfortunate sending off really, really harsh and they ended up losing the game pretty heavily. But, um, you know, they're a team that do cause, certainly caused Arsenal problems at the Emirates last season and won the up in the second half. Arsenal had to mount one of those late comebacks with Gabriel scoring the winner after he'd made the mistake to give Mitrovic the goal. There's no Mitrovic for Fulham, obviously, after his move. Um, Fulham, one of the clubs interested in Balogun to replace possibly Mitrovic. So that would be it. That's it. the fact that they'll be at the Emirates on Saturday. Maybe some talks will take place there. We shall wait and see. But Mikel's got some big decisions to make going into this game. And it's going to be interesting to see what he does. He hasn't really strayed in the first two games 
from this setup that has caught us all a little bit by surprise with Thomas Party sort of filling in in the kind of right back role, although he drifts in and basically just adds the numbers in central midfield. Gabriel not starting. You know, are we going to see similar this weekend or is Mikel going to make some changes? I feel like a lot revolves around Alexander Zinchenko. He came on at the end against Crystal Palace. First time we've seen in this season due to the injury he's been suffering with. I thought he looked really good. In that sort of little 10-minute cameo, as soon as he arrived on the pitch, Arsenal had so much more control of that game than they had before. I thought he made a really big impact, Zinchenko. If he is deemed fit and he starts, then I think we're probably going to see a different little setup. I, I, I said this last week against Crystal Palace, and I was totally wrong. I really thought Gabriel would come back, and he didn't. Um, but this time around, I think if Zinchenko starts, I'll be very surprised if Gabriel's not at centre-back in this game. It just feels like... Zinchenko's return to the starting eleven probably will coincide with um, with Gabriel coming back in the side. I, I just don't see Thomas Partey and Zinchenko playing together. I think if Zinchenko plays, then Ben White moves back to right back. Gabriel comes in at centre back, and then Mikel's got a big decision to make about what you do in midfield. Do you play Partey, Rice, and Odegaard? Do you just leave one of Partey and Rice out? Do you need Partey and Rice in the same team at home to Fulham, where we kind of know the way that the game's going to go and the way Fulham's set up? I'm not sure you do. So that's another big decision that you have there. You know, what do you do with Kai Havertz? I think Kai's been fine in the first two games. He's done nothing wrong. He's done nothing great. Do you stick with Havertz or do you? look at getting someone else into one of the, into that sort of advanced number eight role alongside Odegaard, you know, a Smith Rowe, for example, a Trossard. Um, so there's lots for Mikel to do. Personally, I think he sticks with Kai Havertz. I'd be surprised if Havertz doesn't start. Um, but uh, I think I'd be, I'm not sure we're going to see both Havertz, uh, sorry, Party and Rice together in this, in this home game. If Party does indeed move, um, come away from that right back role. So there's lots to think about. I think we're, I think this is a good thing for Arsenal, just that every single game now we're going to go into it and there's going to be lots of question marks about what Mikel is going to do. That's what something he really wanted. He wanted to be unpredictable. He talked about it a lot during the summer and he's got his wish. Arsenal are unpredictable now. I don't think any opposition manager is going to sit in the changing rooms at the Emirates or uh, any ground in the country about an hour and a half before a game waiting for the team sheets to come out. I don't think any of them are going to know what's going to be on that team sheet and in a way, that's a bit of a boost for Arsenal because last season, we all know what was going to happen, who was going to play, what system they were going to play. And ultimately, that might have played into the sort of downfall a little bit at the end of the season. They just became a little bit too predictable. So lots of decisions for Mikel to make. He's speaking tomorrow at his press conference at London Colney. That's a 1.30 afternoon press conference. It'll be interesting to see what he says there in the build-up to that game. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But let me know what you guys think. Who should be starting? This one on uh, on Saturday, you know, do you think Party and Rice should play together in midfield? If Party doesn't play at right back and Ben White comes in, do you think Havertz should stay in his role, or do you think it's time to give someone else a go? Trossard, for example, you know, in Ketter up top, do you stick with him? Let me know in the comments below. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, I just wanted to draw your attention to this. If you haven't seen it yet, Michael Timms, uh, go head over to his YouTube channel. I'll drop the link to this interview into my description below this um really really good interview he has done on his channel with rob holding it's about an hour long interview um if you do have the time to watch it i do really recommend that you do it's a great interview it says an awful lot about rob holding he talks about lots of interesting stuff and you just come away from it and you can understand why holding is just such a popular player why all the players like him why the manager likes him why he's so important around the dressing room and around the changing room. It's just really his story about Jakob Kivior and the community shield and the trophy after when they're out on the pitch celebrating. It's just a fantastic story. And again, just says a lot about the leadership of Rob Holden and why he's so important. I thoroughly recommend you watch that video. So it is in the description below if you want to give it a click and go in a, and go and watch that. Right, let's move on to some of your questions and comments, shall we? Before we end today's video, I've got a few of them here. We're going to start from Raider6822, who starts on about Kai Havertz. He says, I felt Havertz looked lost in the way and tried to release the ball the second he got it. The man needs a confidence boost desperately. Saka's last penalty scored, but it was an awful penalty in all, in all honesty. So the Saka comment there was in response to me saying that I was surprised that Odegaard took it. Um, yeah, I know Saka obviously did score that penalty in the Community Shield. And it was, well, I don't know. Can you say it wasn't a bad penalty? He sent the goalkeeper the wrong way. Um, you know, gave him the eye, sent it in the wrong way. So I'm not sure any penalty that goes in is not really a bad penalty, to be honest. Um, in terms of Havertz, I just don't agree. I feel like everyone's jumping on Havertz is back, and I think it's a little bit harsh. I just don't think he's done anything wrong, and I certainly don't think he looked lost. I think he was really involved in that game. When you look at his numbers afterwards, and what he produced, I think he was very, very involved in that game. And I'm utterly convinced that Mikel Arteta would have left Selhurst Park on Monday night and been thoroughly satisfied with the performance that Kai Havertz produced. I don't think he was looked lost at all. I think he was involved. He was moving the ball around. He was making runs. I just think it just, you know, it wasn't an 8 out of 10 performance, but it certainly wasn't a 5 out of 10 performance. It was just a, a decent Premier League performance from him. I think he needs to go up another level. Obviously, I think he needs to. He can't just do okay performances. He needs to be able to do more than that and to and to score some goals, to set up some goals and produce eight out of ten performances more often than not. You don't want him just doing an average performance every single game. And I think that's what we've seen from Havertz so far. Nothing spectacular by any means, but he's done nothing wrong. And people just still are jumping on him, which I think is just a little bit, a little bit harsh on him. But I understand. I want him. I, I expect him to do more. I think what we've seen at the moment is a kind of bare minimum from him and he needs to move it up a bit, become more influential. But he's played two games. He's literally played two league games for a new club where he's getting used to a new manager, new teammates, a new way of playing, where he's coming off from a season where he's, let's face it, would have lost a lot of confidence playing in that Chelsea side last season. So I just think we need to be a little bit patient with him. And I know that word annoys everyone in football and you don't really want to be patient, but I just think we need to be a little bit and just lay off him a little bit, give him a bit of time to settle. And hopefully then we're going to see him really start to produce more influential performances during games. So I just, I don't, I certainly don't think he looked lost. I have to say. 
Here's one from Daniel. says, I disagree with your thoughts on Pepe. If anyone watched him in France last year, he changed his game to suit the manager and had some pretty successful moments. I think Pepe can adapt to our new style of football. There is some recency bias against him. I think he does have the football brain and you can tell by some of his finishing and it's brilliant. I think Pepe needs more of an arm around the shoulder, if anything. He's had to face a lot of criticism before his price. He certainly has had to face a lot of criticism because of his price. I, I absolutely agree with you there. Um, and no, I, I'm not doubting Pepe's a good player. I think he is a good player. I think his record at Arsenal is decent and he gets an unfair rap by people calling him a flop and everything. It's just unfortunate for Pepe is that he has that price tag hanging over him. And because of that price tag, people just say, oh, he's a flop. He wasn't. He did well in the first couple of seasons. And look, I'm sure he could come in and do a decent job for Arsenal if he was going to get used. That's not what I'm saying. All I was saying in yesterday's video is I just don't think Mikel's going to use him because I just don't think he's part of his plans. So there's just not really much point in him sticking around. Now, since yesterday's video it has emerged, from over in France, that there are there is Saudi interest once again in Nicolas Pepe, and something could happen there. Now we wait to see if it does. If it does, it's brilliant for Arsenal because you know, they'd much rather get some sort of transfer fee potentially than uh, have to come to an agreement to cancel his contract early. So you know this is all sort of totted up into that hundred million pound potential target that Arsenal are looking for for transfer fees over the next eight days or so. And if they could get something from Saudi for Pepe, I think that'd be great for all parties. And look, you know, I've got no issue with Pepe. I think he's a good player. I really enjoyed watching Pepe at times uh, when he was at Arsenal. But I just don't I don't see a future where he plays if he stays this season. I just don't think Arteta uses him. So what's the point of him being here? So, um, so yeah, but thanks very much for your, uh, for your comment, Daniel. Here's one from Alderslayer. It says, Hiya, Charles. Do you think there is something going on behind the scenes regarding Arsenal and Mohamed Kudus? A number of players, a number of clubs in the Premier League, Brighton, West Ham, have tried to make a move, but it seems as though Kudus Ajax are waiting for a bigger club. Could it be that he's waiting for Arsenal to sell Balogun and make a move? Uh, I, I don't know. Look, I know that Arsenal have been interested in Kudus um, and there was interest earlier on in the summer that hasn't gone anywhere. And it does look like he's slowly edging towards a West Ham move. It, the word slowly there is a big word because it is progressing slowly. Whether someone jumps in at the end of it and does the old transfer hijack that we've seen a few times. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But as I've said many, many times, Arsenal need to sell some players. I don't see any way that Arsenal could try and mount a late hijack for Kudus unless they sell some players. So when you talk there about Balogun and then making a move, maybe, perhaps, but that's just hypothetically speaking from my on my part. I've not heard any anything myself, you know, substantial to suggest that's what Arsenal are waiting for. And if it does happen, they will move for Kudus. All I know is they do have an interest in him. They liked him as a player, but it's not gone any further than that. And uh, whether that changes, look, we've got eight days to find out. But thanks very much for your uh, for your comment. Um, here's one from Topsy that I thought was an interesting one. Saying, hi, Charles, love the channel. Thank you very much. Why does Saka have holes in the back of his socks? Thanks in advance. Tim, uh, simple answer for that, Tim, is because of his massive calves. <laughs> and it's not just Saka. A few players do this. You'll probably notice it. Just the little cuts to leave the slits. And it's basically to relieve the pressure from the sort of pressure of the socks, which are wrapped so tightly around those massive muscles in the back of their legs. Um, and so they just cut the cut the socks a little bit to relieve the pressure and that allows the calves to just relax a little bit and it's not so painful so that is from my understanding that is why they have done it it is uh it is purely to um to relieve the pressure on their calves which is quite an interesting thing i have to say and now finally a bit of fun on this one we spoke about it on yesterday's was a comment about 
a uh, WWE 11. And like I said, I'm off to AEW all in on Sunday at Wembley. Can't wait for that. RIP Terry Funk, by the way, who really unfortunately died, passed away last night. Absolute legend of the wrestling game. One of my all-time favorites. Um, and uh, yeah, really sad news that, that Terry passed away. But yeah, talking about, about uh, your WWE 11, Christopher says, you know what? Hitman up top makes so much sense as a false nine edge. I think would be a better attacker, maybe playing on the left kind of side, Bobby Heenan as manager and you're not the only one here below you from ice Dre 20 also says bobby heenan as manager coming um seems to be a popular choice d'lo brown in goal i think that's a great choice you know d'lo what a athlete he was um as well loved his little strut down to the ring as well and uh ray right back scott hall and kevin nash nwo center back partnership taz at left back kane and undertaker as a double pivot um pretty slow double pivot that would be um Mr. Perfect is 10, HB Kane, Jeff Hardy out wide, Rock and Stone Cold up front. I've got to say, Eddie Guerrero's got to, got to find a way in, I think. Now, imagine imagine Eddie with just slyness of him. He'd win lots of penalties, wouldn't he, I think, going down. I'd, I'd play I'd play Eddie as a number 10, that sort of clever, sly little number 10 who causes problems, sets up goals, also wins a lot of free kicks and penalties with his antics going down. So, yeah, keep them coming. If you want a WWE 11, get them in the comments below. Lots of fun for me reading through those. And that's it for today, everyone. Thank you very much for watching. As usual, I really do appreciate your time. We are now just two days away from Arsenal's return. And don't forget, we are seven days away from the book launch. Description below, pre-order link is there. Please do pre-order it. And if you can get down to the Tolly on the twenty on the 31st of August, do so. I'll be there from sort of 4 p.m. onwards. Books will be on sale. I'll be signing in and then, of course, take part in the Q&A with me, Gunner Blog, and Sam Dean of The Telegraph. Thank you very much for watching, everyone. Have a very, very good day, and I shall speak to you soon.